Good morning. Thanks for coming to New Life. My name is Professor Egan Harden, Arden, Golden Baden, the Institute, Flatten, Flint, Stinkin, Flanken, and I flunk into kindergarten. Your children's pastor will return to normal shortly. If, you're, if you are watching online or at one of our venues, I call it the East Venue down in uh, the other end of our building, and in the West Venue out in North Platte. Hi, guys. Thanks for coming today. Now, you are in church. Yes, you are. Everyone, you are in church. This is not a mistake. Well, it could be a mistake, but we will find out. We, we have plenty of mistakes. That's for sure. Well, the first thing I need to do is I need to find a helper. Is there anyone who would like to help me today? Oh, I have a few. There we go. Right there. Come on up over here, my friend, and I want to shake your hand. Come on in here and tell, tell me your name. Aiden. Aiden. That's good to see you today, Aiden. Hey, what's the matter with your arm? It's got the rubber arm disease. Look at that. What is going on with that arm? Are you all right? All right, let's see. I have this microphone for you because I need you to tell me, what do you do for a living? A government job. Not going to tell us. And how, and how is your wife? She's a funny woman. Is she funny looking or funny just humorous? She, you don't have a mind, you can't remember. Did she leave you? I'm so sorry. Uh, tell me, what grade are you in? Third grade. Third grade. How many years will it take to finish third grade? None. He does have a government job. He couldn't think of it. You said one. You did say one. None. Because you're almost done. Is that it? Oh, he's actually brighter than we actually give him credit for. All right. So here's what we're going to do. I am going to give you a uniform because I need you to help me. First of all, let's see. I have forgot part of my uniform right here. I better put that on. All right. And I have a hat for you. Do you want to wear it? Yes. You do? This, actually, I want to wear that one. You can wear this one. All right. There we go. That one might smell a little bit, but at least... <laughs> You're wearing it, not me. Ha! All right. Oh, and here's your, your coat so that you can, because you're actually going to do some chemistry work for me. How was your chemistry class? Did you get an A in chemistry? He doesn't, you haven't taken chemistry yet? Oh, boy. This could be dangerous. All right. You put those on over your glasses. Watch out for the tentacles. And we're going to try something here first. All right. Let's see. I better get my instructions out because if I don't follow these, oh my goodness, then we could be in terrible trouble. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to set this over here for a second and you need to hold up this sign behind this glass of water. All right. I think you're supposed to turn it around. Oh my goodness. This is the wrong way here. Hold it this way because actually I just need you to hold it right here like that so that I can transfer some chemicals. Now, if this first little experiment. I did that so that everyone can see better. And you can watch too. But here's what we're going to do. I'm going to take two clear liquids and we're going to do hopefully a a little bit of a trick here with some chemistry. There we go. I just turned the water into wine. Isn't that incredible? (laughs) Only one guy has done that before. But actually he did a better job because it was the best they'd ever had. This actually you wouldn't want to drink very much. All right. But I do need you. You might want to button that coat. Because I'll take the sign now, and I want you to get ready to help me with this part of the experiment. And this is why you are wearing goggles, all right? By the way, that shirt is only 40 years old. And I'm sorry, I haven't washed it for seven years, but it's, it's mostly clean. Most of the uh, chemicals on it will 
only irritate the skin for about a week or so, all right? <laughs> so here's what I need you to do. You, you, that's enough buttoning, okay? You're, do, you're done buttoning, all right? Oh, here, here's your straw. Again, I think it was clean once. And so hold on to this. And you're not, you, do, you think you, do you think I'm going to have you drink it? You, he knows better. Very good. So I'm going to give you a little bit of liquid in there. And what I want to do is I want to see what you're made of. You see, we can't live our lives without love. Do you have a mommy? Even though your wife left you, your mommy still loves you. <laughs> and I'm so glad for that. So turn and face this front here so everyone can see you. And you're going to put that straw down in there. And you're not going to drink it, all right? But you get to do what most kids never get to do without getting in a little bit of trouble. You get to blow bubbles, all right? But don't blow so hard it blows out into your face. Because, again, we don't want that skin irritation to take place. Can you, hey, wait. Say, hey. I don't want to do any of the work. I want you to do all of it. So would you hold the bottle as well as blow? Is that possible? Or, is that, or do they not teach you that in third grade? All right. You hold on. And don't spill it because it might bleach the carpet white, and that would be a very bad spot. All right, while you're getting ready to do that, let me set this up right here. Because did you know that love, there's all kinds of components of love. Do you know the ABCs of love? You don't? Here's some right here. You, we need the, it, the ABCs of life. Love, respect, honor, and obey. Well, wait a second. There's only three. I only have it. Hey, look at that. You really do have, if you are full of God's love, look at that. You cleared up that all the way to clear. Good job. Did you know the Bible says, though your sins be as scarlet, I will make them white as snow. So you cleared that right up. Thanks for clearing up that mess for me. That really helps a lot. Now, your take. So look at these blocks carefully. How many are there? And they're A, B, C, right? All right. So I'm going to take these blocks and I'm going to put them into this bucket. All right. Take a look there. Put that one in. You saw that that bucket was empty, right? All right. So now I have the B. I'm going to stick it in there. All right. And now I have the C. All right. We're going to stick this in here. Are you ready? All right. So here comes the tricky part. Are you watching closely? You want to take your goggles off now so you can actually see what I'm doing? All right. So we got a box here. Can you see that's a clear box? Stick your arm through that. All right. Stick your tongue through that. No. Stick your leg through that. No, I'm kidding. All right. Stick your arm through that again so everybody sees that you are. It's just a regular box. All right. So we're going to make sure everybody understands that. All right. So here's the part that you must keep close track of. First of all, what do we have here? A C. Let's put the C on there like that. All right. I wish I had two of them. I could do the parting of the Red Seas. Okay. What, which one is that? B. All right. Let's put that one on there. And which one is this? Hey, all right, let's put that one on there. All right, so are you watching carefully? All right, take a look. Because there's something tricky that's going to happen here. Something's going to disappear. And it's kind of like, well, it's kind of like your wife leaving you. She disappeared, and so did some of the blocks in here. Which one's missing? The B. Well, you know what? There's an empty space in our heart, but it's nothing that any person can fill. Would you take a look in that bucket and see if you can find a B somewhere? Look out, it'll sting you. No, just kidding. There it is. You did it. Give it up for Aiden. How did you do that? You have no idea. Well, you're going to get paid anyway, even though you don't know. All right. Give it up one more time as he takes his seat. You can, you can wear that to your seat and give it to me later. Thank you. There is one thing, though, that I want to show you. You know, we think of love. A lot of times love is like, well, we say it's like fireworks. 
That does not look like fireworks to me. But it is a rocket balloon. Now we're going to try it out right now. Let's see if we can aim it at our good friends in the venue and in North Platte. Let's see if we can do it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Look out! It's not... Char- All right, that, that, did not, that did not take as well as I had hoped. The, another time it went up into that part. Another time it actually hit the TV back there. But let's see. I have another rocket here. And this one actually makes me a lot more nervous. Because it, has, it, it is fueled with some sort of secret fuel. Now, the, I'm going to aim again right down the middle. So everybody in this section... Well, everybody in every section. Be ready! <laughs> we don't know. Now, here's what we're going to do. I am going to uh, ignite it with an igniter. And we're going to see what happens. Uh, you never know, actually. And I promise you, you never know. Uh, I did it with a two-liter last night, and it hit the uh, sound, uh, it hit the video booth glass up there. So I decided two-liter misfire, no, not a good idea. <laughs> but this one, I'm hoping, will not go as far or hurt anybody. But I do want you to have your eyes open, your head up, and your fire extinguishers out. Because honestly, we do not know what this, it may actually not work at all because about half the time it chooses to do its own thing. We will see. Woo! Is there a, oh, good one. Is it on fire? It will put it out. Oh, very good. There's no fire up here. Oh, very good. You think I'm kidding. I tell you, that's the truth. There, <laughs> three times we've had to put out the fire with that exact trick. So please. Thank you for your cooperation. Let me now, I want to talk to you men, just for a second, uh, because I want to ask you if you're a real man. And here is a test, a simple test. Ladies, pay attention. You need to know who the real men are in the room, all right? Because if you need one, there you go. If you need to get rid of one, well, we won't talk about that. Here you go. Number one, men, as you grow older, what lost quality of your youthful life do you miss the most? A, Innocence, B, idealism, or C, cherry bombs. Very good. You're thinking it over. That's right. Number two, in your opinion, the ideal pet is A, a cat, B, a dog, or C, a dog that eats cats. (laughs) All right, two more. One weekday morning, your wife wakes up feeling ill and asks you to get your three children ready for school. Your first question to her is, A, do they need to eat anything? Or B, they're in school already? Or C, there are three of them? (laughs) Last question. When is it okay to throw away an old set of undies? A, these are yours, men, not the ladies. All right. When is it okay? When it has turned the color of a dead well and developed new holes so large that you're not sure which ones were originally for your legs. That's one answer. B, when it is down to eight loosely connected underwear molecules and has to be handled with tweezers. Or C, it is never okay to throw away old underwear. Because the real man checks the garbage just in case somebody, his wife, has quietly tried to discard it. All right. So as far as my research goes, if you answered C to all of the above, raise your hand. You're a real man! Or not. I'm not sure if the unmen, which are the women, would actually agree. So we're going to put away this and you get your children's pastor back. Thank you for helping me out today.
I got some guys that are going to help me get some of these things out of the way. And if you would turn in your Bibles to Ruth, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth. We do that in kids' church, so that's kind of a habit. I didn't even know I was doing it until it was too late. But you can find that right there after Judges. Judges is the book that we see the story of Gideon in. And we believe that the story of Ruth actually took place during the time of Gideon's uh, serving as a judge of Israel. When I was given the assignment to speak today, I was looking at all of the Bible readings that you will be doing this week through the Essentials uh, 100. And I saw that there were several good ones. There's Gideon, Samson, Deborah, Ruth. I mean, those are all good kids' ministry uh, topics that we can teach. And I wanted to teach on Deborah because she was one of the best judges in Israel, but she was also the one that had that story where one of uh, a, a lady killed an army general with a, tent, with a tent peg through the head. Just hammered it right through his head. Isn't that an awesome kids lesson? That'd be great. <laughs> and, and so I was thinking, how can I relate that? Oh, well, then I realized, okay, this is the week of Valentine's Day. And then God placed Ruth and Boaz right there in our reading this week. In fact, I think it's your reading on Friday. So you're like, God even arranged it for you to have your reading of Ruth and Boaz the day before Valentine's Day. But the story is not just about Ruth and Boaz's love that they found for each other, but it is more about God's incredible love for each one of us. If you took the book of Luke, or the book of Luke, have I been saying that? If you took the book of Ruth and you made it a paperback and you turned it over and you had comments on the back, it might say something like this. An account of anxiety, fear, love, and commitment that inflames the imagination and soothes the soul. Or it might just say, it begins with despair and ends with delight. Those are just some thoughts that I had as I was thinking about Ruth. Now, I've, I studied it for the last two, or th- two and a half weeks. And I took all kinds of notes, and I was just enjoying the, the process, enjoying God using it in my life, just to, to open my eyes to the importance of this book. And so I want to just kind of let you know up front, I took so many notes, and I had to reduce them, reduce them, reduce them. But I'm, I'm going to depend on my notes a lot today because I don't want to get the story out of order because there's so much meaning here that I want to share with you before you guys leave today. When my kids were little, their granny sang them a song. I love you, a bushel and a peck. A bushel and a peck and a hug around the neck. And I think that, that, that uh, my wife's mom probably sang that to her when she was little. But she sang it to all of the grandkids. And we lost her a couple of years ago. And we still, when we sing that song, we think of her. And, but we don't just think of the song. We think of her incredible, incredible devotion and love for her children. And the way that she just poured into them. Every ounce of strength that she had was poured into her family. And so I thought that for even just the simple title of this, it fits because this is, there's, there's some grain, some bushels of grain that are given away in this story. But more than a bushel, more than, a, more than enough, it was like extra bonus. And that's, again, a, 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 a beautiful picture of God's great love for us. He doesn't just give us just enough. He gives us more than enough above and beyond the blessings that we deserve. So open it up, Ruth chapter 1. 
If we take a look, we're just going to kind of walk through it for a second here and take a look at the whole story and just give you the highlights that stood out to me this week as I reviewed it. Um, We know that Naomi and Elimelech were kind of in a, in a bad situation. There was a famine in Israel, and they, they couldn't grow their crops anymore. There was no more food to eat. So they had to find a new place to live. They had to move, because, basically because of finances, because of food. So they moved to the east of, of Israel. They moved from the Bethlehem area. They had to go a little bit north across the Jordan River, and, and then uh, a little bit south after that to get into Moab, depending on how big it was at the time. But they went there and they took their two sons. Their two sons grew up and got married. They married Ruth. One married Ruth, one married Orpah. And so they lived in that land for a number of years. Then Elimelech dies. Ten years later, tragedy struck and both of Naomi's sons died. And so now we have Naomi and Ruth and Orpah, all widows. Well, there wasn't a lot to, to uh, take care of them in, in that situation. They were widows. They were now not connected to any inheritance or any land. There was no real laws in place that we know of uh, to take care of them. There might have been, but, but at any rate, Naomi decides, I'm going back to Israel. The famine there is over. It's been over a long time. I, I've just got to go back to Israel. Her, her daughter-in-laws loved her so much, though, that they said, we're going to go with you. I mean, they adored her. They, they couldn't imagine life without her. And so they started the journey to go with her. But along the way, Naomi turns to them and she says, Daughters, this isn't right. I'm going back to my home country, but you're leaving your home country. Stay here. You need to stay here. You're young. You can find a husband. You can still have a family. Stay here among your own people. And Orpah she, she cried, she kissed her mother-in-law, she, but she said, you know what, that makes sense to me. I'm going home. And she went back home. But Ruth, she said, I can't do it. I can't go home. I love you too much. And in Ruth 1, verse 16, it says, but Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. This is often the theme, the the theme verse that you'll see out of the book of Ruth. But something we need to remember here, as as these ladies are traveling back to Israel, Ruth and Naomi, they make their way back to the Bethlehem area where Naomi grew up and where her in-laws still live and own land and and have businesses. The Hebrew law was very specific, though, about how um, land ownership and how widows are to be taken care of. So there was a law in place called the kinsman redeemer law and it was simply about how we take care of widows and the law said that if a man died and left a a childless widow that the deceased man's relative closest relative often would be a brother it was his responsibility to to offer to marry the widow so that they could eventually have a son who would then inherit what the, the, the deceased man's property and then would have a provision for the wife and the rest of the family. It could be if there wasn't a brother or if a brother wasn't capable uh, or, or able to, 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 be, to provide that, then it was uh, a nephew or a cousin or a second cousin, but the next in line, the next closest relative. And that's how they basically 
took responsibility for the, the widows and, and orphans in their communities. So the main reason for the situation was so they could have another baby boy and they would receive that ownership. But Naomi said, I'm too old to get married. I'm too old to have a son. But Ruth, you're not too old. So let's just trust God. In Ruth 2.3, we find out that Ruth just happened to find herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz. Another law in the land was that they left the edges of the field uncut, precisely so that people that had a need could come and cut that, that grain and use it for their own food. So it was a way, a law that they had that, that helped to take care of the poor in their communities. So Ruth, uh, uh, with Naomi's instructions, she went out and found places to cut this wheat. She found one field that was incredible, had all kinds of extra wheat. She decided to cut there, and she cut, and it happened to be Boaz's field. Boaz saw her. Boaz saw this woman that he thought he might recognize. He'd heard about, of course, because he'd heard about his, his, his uh, relative Naomi and, and how she had somebody that was with her that loved her and cared for her. And so he asked about her. He said, who's that girl? And in Ruth 2.7, one of his servants answered him. She, he said, she asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvester. She's been hard at work ever since. I underlined those words, hard at work. Because this shows Ruth's character. Here she was in a foreign land. She didn't have provision. And yet she was making the most of what she had. She was hard at work. And Boaz was noticing how hard she worked. And in fact, the, the servant of Boaz says, she's been working hard except for just a few minutes rest in the shelter. So she had been cutting the, the extra clippings that they had left behind or that they had left in, uh, on purpose for the needy. We go down and we look now in Ruth chapter 2. And Boaz had been so impressed with the way Ruth was taking care of her mother-in-law, the way Ruth was um, providing for her mother-in-law and had this heart for hard work and wasn't afraid. He, he decided, hey, I like this lady. Let's help her out. And so he told his servants in Ruth chapter 2 verse 16, and pull out some heads of barley from the bundles. And drop them on purpose for her. Let her pick them up. And don't give her a hard time. So Ruth gathered barley there all day. And when she beat out the grain that evening, it filled an entire bushel basket. So here is this symbol. This bushel of love from God. This provision that God was giving to Ruth and Naomi. But it was also showing something about Boaz's heart. He was starting to really, really respect and, and honor this, this lady Ruth. And... Naomi, because he sent an entire basket. He allowed for an entire basket to be sent home with Ruth. And when she got it home, Naomi, her mother-in-law, was so impressed that she was, she was actually impressed with Boaz. And he, she was so happy that he was showing her daughter-in-law such kindness. And, and Naomi begins to explain to Ruth that he was a relative. Hey, he's a relative of ours. He could be in that position of being a kinsman redeemer to you. Now, it's kind of interesting because Ruth was not, she was not from the tribe of Judah. She was an outsider from a whole other country. And yet, Naomi hoped that maybe the kinsman redeemer law would even apply to an outsider, to a foreigner. She explains to Ruth all that she would need to do to, uh, 
to make an impression on Boaz. And in fact, she gave her instructions. She said, when tonight, after you guys work and they serve the dinner, he's gonna, when he gets tired and goes to bed, I want you to go and lay at his feet. Now, he went and laid down, like the Bible says, on the other side of the pile of grain. So they evidently lived where they, in their barns, and it was all like one, one space. And so all the servants and different ones were all in the same space. And so she went over after he fell asleep, just like Naomi told her, and she laid down at his feet. And she stayed there into the night. Now, it probably wasn't appropriate for her to do that as a servant and for other reasons. But Boaz wakes up in the middle of the night, the Bible says, and he's frightened. His feet touch a person. Wouldn't that frighten you if your feet touched a person that you knew shouldn't be there? He said, he said then in Ruth chapter 3, verse 9, Who are you? She said, I am your servant, Ruth. And then she said, spread the corner of your covering over me, for you are my family redeemer. There was this symbol where they actually took part of his, his robe that he wore and it put it over her feet. It meant that I will take care of you. But here's the cool part and the strange part. Ruth was saying, Boaz, will you marry me? Now, how many of you ladies asked your husband to marry you? You don't have to tell me, but you might. I bet there might be a few here that you, they were just waiting around too long, and you said, hey, let's, let's talk about this. Let's, hey, will you marry me? So sometimes, ladies, it just has to be done. And Ruth did this. She did this that day because her mother-in-law told her, this is the way that we can handle this. Now, Boaz, he wasn't upset. He was impressed because he was already impressed with her character, He was already impressed with her loyalty, already impressed with her love for Naomi, her willingness to work hard in the fields, her willingness to to provide for her older mother-in-law. He was also impressed that she was interested in him and not some younger man. He he uh, He wasn't a young man. But he was impressed. You picked me over a younger man? You picked me over a rich man? Well, he was fairly wealthy himself, the Bible says, but he was impressed that this young, beautiful woman, we don't know actually if she was beautiful or not, but he cared for her deeply and was impressed. And he, he said, you know what? If you're interested in me, then I'm definitely interested in you. And he said, I'm going to see what I can do. And when he, he got up and he said, you need to get... You need to get going, but let me give you some grain. And he's, the Bible says in Ruth 3.15, Then Boaz said to her, Bring your cloak, spread it out. And he measured six scoops or six measures of barley into the cloak and placed it on her back. And then, she, then he returned to town. He had business to take care of. And again, this is a great symbol. These six scoops are many of, many of the version of versions of the bible say six measures we don't actually know how much a measure is so you can just imagine whatever scoop they used is what they used and uh, there's a lot of different interpretation about what a measure is but you could say it might be like a, a peck which is a quarter of a bushel and he was given her three measures which was a tradition in the old testament long before this time that anytime you wanted to do to show generous hospitality you would give somebody for their meal, three measures of grain, or three measures of meal. Or if you were sending somebody on their way, you would gift them with a gift of three measures. Here, Boaz isn't just giving her the, the uh, cultural standard. He's giving her double the amount. 
because he likes her that much. Plus, he's thinking of, and this is what Naomi thought when she got home probably. It's like, look, he's not just saying he's going to take care of you, daughter. He's going to take care of me too. This is an answer to prayer. This is an answer to God's faithfulness. Boaz went to town. They met at the city gates. That's how they conducted official business. And he called people together. He called his relative. He had a relative. He said, one relative is closer to you in in relation than I am. And he, by law, is the first one in line to be your family redeemer. He said, I'll go talk to him. And he told the man. He didn't tell the man, I want this to happen this way. He just said, you know that Ruth can be redeemed through the family redeeming plan, and it's up to you. Do you want to take over the land and make her your wife? He liked the idea of taking over the land. It says it in there. He said, and you need to make her your wife. And he went, oh, wait a second. Can't do that. It doesn't explain exactly why. It just says it would have messed up all of his holdings, his property holdings. And so he said, no, that's not going to work. And, of course, Boaz was like, yeah. That's exactly what I was hoping for. And, and the people that were around there in, in Ruth 4, 11 and 12 says, We are witnesses. May the Lord make this woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, from whom all the nation of Israel descended. And may the Lord give you descendants by this young woman. Now we get to the, the very end of the book of Ruth. The Redeemer. I just am, It's not just about Boaz the Redeemer we see that it's about Jesus, the Redeemer. Because Boaz and Ruth became the parents of Obed. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. So you see, Ruth and Boaz were were King David's great-grandparents. King David, who, he wasn't a royal. He didn't descend from royalty, but God put him on the throne, didn't he? And then we also see who descended from King David? Jesus, the Son of God. An incredible heritage. So we see that that Ruth becomes Jesus' 28 times great-grandma. And she wasn't even a Jew. She wasn't even Hebrew. But if you look at the lineage of Jesus, there's a whole bunch of colorful people in in his heritage. But I believe God did that on purpose, don't you? So that he can say, hey, everyone, if your heart is where it should be, you have a part of my kingdom. In fact, Ruth was the first one recorded in the word of God that was an outsider who asked to come in and, and was received. Isn't that the picture of us and God? We, we, Jesus is our redeemer and we are at his feet. And we simply say, Jesus, we have to invite him. He doesn't come in uninvited. We invite him. We ask him to be the Lord and leader of our life. And he does that when he's invited. Let's just take a look quickly at some of the things I learned from these incredible verses from Ruth. One of the essential truths I learned, and you've learned these before, but let's just be reminded today. we got to give up to God's ways. It's all about surrendering to his sovereignty, we call it. God's ways. We've got to give up our own will and let it just be his. Because he's constantly working and weaving his purposes through all the events and circumstances of our lives. These ladies endured famine and deaths in their family. They endured financial crisis. But through it all, Naomi taught her daughter-in-law about the wonders of this faithful God that she knew and had been taught about from birth. And Ruth made that life-changing commitment when she said, Your God will be my God. 
We also learn about God's ways when, when we saw that one verse in Ruth 2-3 where Ruth just happened to find herself working in a field belonging to Boaz. Do you think she just happened to find it? Do you think God arranged it? Whether it was through God's divine intervention or Naomi's wisdom or both, God ordained it. God helped make it happen. And I love that verse because God is in, in our lives. He's just like that all the time, orchestrating the events of our lives for his purpose. If, if we'll allow him to, it'll be for his purpose, not our own. But it'll always be for our best as well. God's guiding our decisions. He's guiding our actions. He's working everything together for his good and for our good. All we have to do is surrender to his ways. I remember a time when I was uh, 30 days from graduating from college. And I was thinking, what am I going to do with my life? I don't even like my degree that I have. I, I had a, a degree in psychology, and I had thought all along I would go on and get a master's and be a, a, a counseling therapist or a, or a doctorate in psychology. But before I graduated, I realized that was not the field that I wanted to go in. I also had a, a, almost a, a major in business and so I thought, well, I'll just go figure something out and start a business. But God, on a Sunday night in church, without the pastor even talking about being called and working for him, God was speaking to my heart through a, a sermon that I wasn't even listening to, he, like some of you right now. And he was, <laughs> he was speaking to my heart about ministry to children. And I'm like, where does this come from? Now, I, I had a brother in children's ministry and a sister, so I was like not going to go the way they went because I saw how troubling it was. And I said, no way. In fact, when God called me, my brother was crying with me at the altar. And I said, I said is God blessing you too? He said, no, I'm crying because I can't believe you're going to do this. It's a horrible thing. <laughs> but he didn't mean it. And I just said, Lord, I know in my heart that, th that this is what you want me to do. And so... I, I went home and I just pondered it. I'm like, okay, I don't even know where to get started. I told my brother, I said, I'm going to start helping you in ministry right now so I can start learning how to work with kids. And he said, that's awesome. I need helpers. And so I was ready to do that. He had me scheduled. Twelve hours later, Monday morning, I got a phone call from a pastor I hadn't probably talked to in over a year. And he said, Eric, I don't know why I'm calling you. It feels like God's told me to do this, but I have no clue. Are you interested in children's ministry? And I was like, this can't be happening. Not, not this timing. And I said, you know what? If you'd have called me 24 hours ago, I would have said, you're absolutely crazy. I literally would have said that. But I said, because of what God did for me last night, I have to say yes. And that's how God tricked me into being in children's <laughs> ministry. <laughs> but he's incredible like that. I would love to tell you more about all the explosions and all the lost eyebrows, but I'll, I'll save that for another time. This is what the Lord says in Isaiah 55, 8. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Here's another essential truth. Tough times improve your character. How many of you know that already, that you've already experienced that? It'll, if it doesn't break you, it'll make you. But the key is, where is your heart? Is it in God's hands? Have you trusted him as your redeemer? Because that's the only way that tough times turn you in to what God wants you to be. Think about what Naomi went through. You can see through her life. She even told her daughter, 
Ruth, her daughter-in-law in Ruth 3.18, she said, Be patient, my daughter, until we see what happens. So she understood patience is a virtue. She understood that God was still at work even when they felt like they were abandoned. We see uh, incredible character in Ruth and Naomi as they struggled and, and, li- and lived through their struggles and got better, bolder, more respected, harder working. It was an incredible testament of faith. We, of course, Boaz was an incredible man himself, full of integrity. We don't know the hard times he endured, but he followed God's law. He provided for the poor, and he was willing to help Ruth and Naomi because he had a heart for doing what was right. And then the incredible part, the baby born in Bethlehem. There was no coincidence Jesus was born in Bethlehem. It was because his ancestors all came from there. And so we see this Redeemer, Jesus, who was born to save the world, to redeem the world from our sins. Boaz and, and Ruth went down in history as heroes of the faith. All we've got to remember, don't sell out. Don't cave in. Don't give up on God. Just hang in there. He has your best in mind. Romans 5.3 says, We can rejoice too when we run into problems. For we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us. Because he has given us the Holy Spirit. To fill our hearts with his love. So the last essential truth today is very easy. Receive the Redeemer. Job 19.25 But as for me, I know. That my Redeemer lives. Ruth said, your God will be my God. She made a decision to follow him. We have to make that decision every day. Some of you have never made that decision. Today, you can do that. If you need to recommit your life to him today, today's the day to do it. All you have to do, fall at the feet of Jesus and say, I give it all to him. I give it all to him. That's what Ruth did. Boaz was a great example of of love and the redeeming power of of the relative, of the kinsman redeemer. But Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. And you know what, folks? I believe this is the whole reason God made sure this book was in the Bible. He wanted us to see how much he loves us. But it's up, up to us to make the proposal. Jesus, will you be my Lord? Can I follow you? Will you accept me? And Jesus always says, yes. You see, the Old Testament, a redeemer had to be related by blood. He must be able to be in that position to redeem, in the family position. But he also must be willing. Jesus was willing. He took on flesh and blood so that he could relate to us. Jesus became a human being so that he could be our relation That's why he's able to redeem us. He paid the price for our redemption on the cross. And he is more than willing. And he'll give you more than enough. He'll give you a bushel and a peck and a hug around the neck and a whole bunch more because he loves you that much. Hebrew 9.12 says, With his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. Would you pray with me? 
Lord Jesus, I just praise you for the Word of God. I thank you for what it's done in my heart this week to remember once again that I'm nothing without you. And so I pray this day, God, that you'll help each one of us to hold fast to the faith, to commit brand new if we've never taken that first step, to recommit, Lord, if we've slipped away from appreciating what you've done for us and who you are to us and for us. And so I pray today, God, that you will help each one of us place our feet again on firm ground and say, Lord, I belong to you. Thank you for redeeming me and accepting me and for your great love. When we pray it in Jesus' name, amen.